We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air, and thanks for tuning in. I'm Shula Newman, filling in for Don Marsh while he takes some much-deserved time off. On January 1st, several new animal welfare laws go into effect in Illinois. They range from creating a reckless dog owner designation for people whose dogs are deemed dangerous to expanding law enforcement officers' ability to rescue dogs or cats who are exposed to life-threatening situations. I'm joined in studio with Leedy Van Cavage, senior legislative attorney with Best Friends Animal Society, to talk about these laws. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. Um, So in Illinois, there are six acts that are set to go into effect next week. Um, That seems like an awful lot. It is a lot. It's been a banner year for um, companion animal welfare legislation in Illinois. And it's great to see because um, we had these bills sponsored by Democrats and Republicans. So it's, you know, something you don't see so often is bipartisan support for things. And in Illinois, they got it right this year and six bills passed. So was this, though, a result of years and years of work or was it a major legislative push? Actually, it was a lot. I was going to say a lot of lobbying, you know, basically best friends and HSUS work together on a lot of these bills to get them through. Great. So I want to go into the details of some of these sure. bills. Um, starting with the reckless dog owner yes. category, what? how does that work? Well, actually, um, we, animal control finds that a lot of the people who tra- train their dog to be dangerous or mean, um, basically, they are recidivists. So you take, you know, the, the old standard was, you know, it's a mean dog, it bites somebody, you know, it hurts a kid, and you take that dog, you kill that dog, and then they get another dog. You know, so it really, you know, is a system that isn't working. So we decided to try to create a, a category of reckless dog owner. So, it, and it's a very specific category. If a dog kills another dog off its owner's property and then is found running at large on two occasions within a 12-month period, or if it's deemed dangerous again um, within a, you know, a 24-month period, then that person, any citizen can go to court um, or law enforcement agency, um, a, a, a state's attorney, and they can ask the court to deem the person a reckless owner. It has to occur by clear and convincing evidence, so there's a lot of due process involved. And if the court deems them that, they can order them not to own a dog for 12 to 36 months. So try to hopefully that they would mature, you know, or maybe think again about not getting a dog. So so again, it's trying to, to shift the owner because the focus of dangerous dog laws should be on the behavior of the owner and the behavior of the dog. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so there are also two laws um, that pertain specifically to law enforcement. Uh, um, the the one that requires officers who, um, who have service dogs who use canines um, for helping that they have a sensor in their cars so that if the car gets too hot, yes, the dogs won't be protected. Which seems very commonsensical. It it does seem very common, and, and there's been some cases nationally where they leave their dog their their canine officer in the car and he's 
dead. And, the, you know, it's it's not only tragic, but, it, you know, these dogs are expensive. You know, a lot of training goes into them. So I was amazed because this one, um, you know, actually flew through. And we really didn't, you know, best friends and HSU didn't have much to do with this. I thought, but the law enforcement agencies carried this bill. And it mandates that all, you know, canine cars have a heat sensor, you know, and if it gets to 85 degrees, um, either they are notified, the, the canine officers notified, or dispatch is notified, so they can send somebody out. So I have a couple of questions. I mean, sure. first of all, this seems like a pretty expensive device exactly. to be put in. So I would think. Yeah, but they, but legislators they, and police departments are saying, yes, I, this is worth it? I they, they did. I mean, it had so many co-sponsors, and it passed. And, and again, unfunded mandates in the legislature <laughs> are not usually easy to pass. But this one, I mean, I think people understood the dogs are, you know, doing a service and they want to protect their canine officers. So are there repercussions if if there's a police department who can't afford to or just decide not to comply? You know, I, I actually there there isn't, but I would imagine that that um, you know that could be a lawsuit that could arise. Right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. what about the other uh, uh, law that pertains to police officers? So this one um, actually has a rather tragic um, uh, beginning, and this was a very very hard bill to get passed. Um, it, it what happened is the um, the temperature bill or the temperature law in Illinois was modified last year, and so they had a provision that says um, it, you know the, you can basically you can't keep a, a dog or cat out in uh, in the weather if it, it might be uh, exposed to hyperthermia, hypothermia, or frostbite as diagnosed by a vet. And because of the words, as diagnosed by a vet, were there, police officers, are, you know, on separate occasions in different parts of the state, arrived and they uh, uh, with dogs chained in the freezing cold. And they said, well, I'm not a vet. I can't take the dog. Um, and they were with humane um, investigators. And so they left the dogs there. The dogs were dead in the morning, frozen to the ground. Oh. And so it was horrible news, you know, and, and people got upset. So Representative Feigenholz, Representative um, Skillicorn, again, Democrats and Republicans worked together um, to actually this bill was stalled in the um, the House, and a bill came over from the Senate, a cat rabies bill, and they totally gutted the cat rabies bill and put this bill in, and it passed at the last minute. Mm-hmm. So it was wonderful political maneuvering like I've never seen for an animal bill, but it was very effective. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I would have assumed that this was something that officers would just do, that they didn't need <laughs> you know, permission. There's an animal in danger. But I know, but we got a lot of pushback from the Farm Bureau on this and the uh, Vet Association. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, what were their arguments against it? Um, they basically thought that a, a veterinarian should be the one diagnosing, you know, hyperthermia or hypothermia. While we don't disagree, it's hard to get a vet to come out at 3 a.m. in the morning and to look at a chained dog. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so um, I was curious because all of these laws they passed in Illinois, mm-hmm. um, but in Missouri uh, there are no laws that are going into effect January first <laughs> for animals. For animals, <laughs> right? There are plenty of others. Um, so what what's going on in Missouri? So Missouri has um, it's very hard to get good animal welfare legislation. Um, it, according to the Animal Legal Defense Fund um, rankings, Illinois is number one for um, for companion animal laws. Missouri is number thirty one. So Missouri has a long way to go. 
It's not like Kentucky that's number 50, but <laughs> it still has a long way to go. Um, but it's very hard because Missouri has a lot of breeders, and sometimes they will help with um, good animal legislation, like trying to get rid of breed discrimination. Um, and, you know, we're on the same side with them on that. But other times they'll try to basically whirl back some of the protections, like um, a bill that has been introduced for next year was one that was introduced last year, too, and it did not pass, thank goodness. But it would no longer allow public health officials to go for warrants to look at cruelty cases. It would only require law enforcement to do that. So that would, again, the public health officials would be taken out of it. And sometimes law enforcement they don't want to get involved with animal cases. Or they don't trust themselves that, oh, this is, in fact, an unhealthy situation Exactly. For exactly. So, again, you know, that that has been reintroduced. Um, a good bill that has been introduced by um, by Representative Ron Hicks of St. Charles, he um, is trying to get rid of breed discrimination in the state. Right. I and was going to so, ask about that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, that's a good one, and we're hoping, um, you know, it can pass, and we do work with the breeders on that bill. Well, first, let's define what we mean by breed discrimination. Okay. Um, you referred to it earlier, but yes. my understanding it is that there are laws um, that municipalities frequently pass that say in anybody with a Doberman or anybody with a Pitbull or whatever, they those dogs just are not allowed in our... In our city. Right. Yes. And they will, you know, um, it, and it's really unfortunate because, again, you should focus on the behavior of the owner and the behavior of the dog, not what they look like. You know, you can't judge a book by its cover. So um, so those bills are, well, a lot of cities in Missouri do have those archaic laws. They were very popular in the 80s, like Ferguson um, had one. Florissant got rid of, you know, their breed discriminatory law. Um, but Belfountain neighbors, there are just oodles of little cities that still have these. And sometimes we find that um, neighbors will, if they have a dispute with their neighbor, they'll try to go after their dog just to be, you know, c- contrarian or just to to make their neighbor upset. So, um, so they'll call and say, "I think my my neighbor has a has a pit bull, or I think my neighbor has a Rottweiler." And the person always thought that they had a lab mix, yeah. and their dog will be taken from them, yeah. which is pretty tragic for the family. That is. So, what's the likelihood that this will get uh, passed? I'm hoping that since you know we are working together with it, it that it might have a, a shot. Yeah. And, it's and very I think early days. It's but, early yeah. days. Yeah. 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 So and. Um, so I'm wondering, how do Illinois laws and maybe even just the breed ban law in, in Missouri, how do they align with national trends? Well, actually, we have now 21 states that prohibit breed discriminatory law. So that's a national trend. In Michigan, it almost got passed during lame duck session, but the speaker refused to call it. So um, we were very close in Michigan this year. So we are finding um, states that um, are getting rid of the archaic rules on dog seized from fight bus, like the Michael Vick mm-hmm. dogs. Um, there's nine, well, nine states now that still discriminate against them um, that say they're automatically dangerous and have to be euthanized. So, um, and, and even some states say all the puppies have to be euthanized. Wow. So we're trying to, you know, get rid of those. Massachusetts got rid of theirs this year. So that's a national trend that we are seeing. Right. So, uh, but does it go hand in hand to have, um, to lift the breed bands, but also create legislation that would put the onus on owners? Yes. Because it seems like if you just do one, then if there is a dog that, you know, for whatever reason becomes dangerous, who's responsible? You want to focus on the behavior of the owner and the dog. So that's why we, you know, basically in the reckless owner bill that passed in Illinois, we were able to make sure that the dogs were evaluated to see if they could be adopted. So we look at their behavior too. You know, we don't automatically say that they cannot be adopted, that they have to be killed. Right. That makes sense. Um, 
I am wondering about um, what other legislation in Illinois that you would like to see replicated in Missouri. There oh. must be one of these, another law that... Well, again, you, you know, I think Ron Hicks's bill to get rid of breed discrimination would be wonderful. But, you know, like bills for transparency are so important. And one of the bills that was passed this year in Illinois requires shelters to report the number of animals they take in, the number of, of cats they spay or neuter and return, um, you know, um, as community cats. So, so you can go online. Well, the Department of Ag in 2020 will have to start putting all the stats online. So you can see what your rescue group's doing. You can see what, you know, your local uh, animal control is doing. Why should this matter? Well, because you want to make sure that, you know, you have a good save rate. You don't want to give your your animal to or support a place that, you know, says they're saving animals. And when you look at their numbers, their save rate is 30 percent, you know, and they're killing the vast majority of them. So this is extremely important. And it's part of Best Friends mission to get to the country to no kill by 2025, to try to save 90 percent a minimum of 90% of all the dogs and cats in every shelter in the United States by 2025. Wow. So is that part of your top priorities for 2019? Well, that is. I mean, well, basically, you know, transparency is extremely important. Mm -hmm. And um, you can get the numbers from the Missouri Department of Agriculture through a FOIA request. But again, that's rather time consuming. So we'd love to see that online. Okay. What about uh, any other legislative priorities across the country? Uh, Across the country, um, basically, again, we're, we're trying to get more community cat law passed because cats are the number one animal at risk in shelters. And so we want to make sure that shelters are able to do shelter, neuter, and return because a lot of times the cats might not have one home, they might have five homes. And so we want to make sure that shelters, instead of taking the cats in, nobody claims them, you know, and they're killed to basically, if they're healthy, you know, sterilize them, ear tip them, microchip them, put them back outside where the five homes are taking care of them. Right. I know people who have the neighborhood of cats. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Great. great. Um, Well, and then also I have to ask for people who want to become involved and um, help advocate. Uh, www.bestfriends.org slash action. So, yeah, and please join because we have alerts up and we will let you know when good laws are, are, you know, trying to get passed in Missouri or when they, you know, we might need to stop something. Okay, great. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. That was Lady Van Cavage, Senior Legislative Attorney with Best Friends Animal Society. This is St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.